Welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I think I've been pretty clear with you guys along the way that I didn't have the easiest experience my first year of living abroad. I think I've shared more and more about it over time because when I was going through it, it was kind of hard to talk about. It was kind of hard to admit that I was going through some tough times because God, look at this life around me, look at this place I live, and I love it. I made all these tough choices and sacrificed so much to be here. How can I complain about it? And if I complain about it, is that an admission that I'm failing? So yeah, I couldn't always talk about it in the moment, but I've tried to be honest about it as I've come out of that rut and settled into a life that is way more positive and balanced than it was initially when I moved abroad. And I am so excited to bring you guys this week's episode with my guest because she is actually just coming out of that phase herself. So when I met this week's guest, she was, you know, she was trying to keep it together and was putting on a positive attitude and really was speaking about being hopeful for things to settle out in her new life here. But as someone who had recently been in her shoes, I was like, mm, I feel like maybe things are a little bit more complicated than you are letting on. So I started sharing some of my feelings about where I was a year ago at that point. And it turned out that, yeah, she was going through a lot of the same stuff. And you know what, guys? That's why I make this show. This is why. Because it's not easy. And it is really tough to talk about when you're going through it. And there's all of these reasons that you can use to convince yourself that whatever you're going through as an expat is unique to you and that it's not going to get better. But it might. It might get better. And it did for me. And it is for this week's guest. And she did a really brave thing by, by coming on the show and talking about some some stuff that was pretty real for her and some stuff that's still pretty fresh. You know, things are going better now, but it wasn't too long ago that things were going poorly. And you know, it's actually really funny when we finished recording, she turned to me and said, wow, it is crazy how much I was trying to minimize how I felt back then when I talk about it now. And it was really only through our conversation that you'll hear that she starts to admit, no, actually, it was kind of bad. And this is how it actually felt. And gosh, I think there's just so many interesting psychological phenomenon that are going on to all of us who are going through these kind of phases. So if anyone has any good books to recommend or articles to send, I would love to read up if you know if there's terms for something like this, etc. But for now, we're not psychologists. We're just two girls talking about our tough times. <laughs> Enjoy the show. So my name is Summer Sayed, and I live right now in Freiburg, well, outside of Freiburg in a town called Au, um, farmlands basically, and I moved here in August from Cleveland, Ohio. So I've been here under a year. And I am so excited to talk to you, especially right now at this specific moment in your whole expat journey. Woo. So I think one of the things that bonded us as friends, we met through mutual people and then um sort of like had a had a little date night where it all clicked because <laughs> you've been hitting so many of the moments that I have hit in the past year and it was so crazy to hear you're explaining these things that I'm like oh god I was there I was there a year ago and maybe now from the outside I seem like I'm more established or something or that I know what I'm doing or like I never went through that and, and it's couldn't be farther from the truth and yeah it was so cool I remember really vividly the evening that you're talking about because when we were first introduced um I definitely had this sense that 
you know what's up because you speak German and, you know, you were acclimated. But I also had the sense that I really wanted to connect with you and wanted to like follow up because I got the sense that you would be somebody who'd have insight into not just like the logistical stuff, but also like, you know, what it takes to just buckle down and get used to a new place. And yeah, I I really appreciated the fact that you didn't kind of sugarcoat it. But you were like, hang in there. <laughs> you can do this. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we're talking today. Like yeah. a little, quir- like um, I almost said quotes, a little, <laughs> um, a little um, spoiler, I guess, is like you've been here, what, six, seven, eight months? Nine months. Nine- mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You're sort of hitting the part that I started to hit around this time last year, which was like, maybe it's not all awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> maybe right. Maybe I can make it work. And so... I will say, like, I know so many people have have contacted me saying that they've gone through these, like, almost the same beats. And I'm sure there's research out there that that talks about what these things are and names them. We're not really going to go into that right now today because we are not researchers in the field. We are just people experiencing it. So let's um, let's rewind and go back to what brought you to Freiburg. Yeah. So what brought me to Freiburg was actually um, before I actually moved, I was here to visit in the summer of 2017 because I was a teacher in the U.S. I had that time and for pretty much 50 days I was just able to be here and experience Freiburg but then also just take those day trips that you do when you when you're here but when I left I was like I could really see myself here if not long term then at least for a few years and I don't feel like that about everywhere that I visit. So it was something kind of novel for me and I wanted to I wanted to see what it was about. Yeah, so I visited because my boyfriend, whose name is Ben, and I'm going to refer to him as such from here on out, um, he attended or is still attending the university. And um, so, yeah, I was I had the opportunity then to decide to move here for his last two semesters. And that's what brought me here for the long haul. And when you got here, would you say that Ben was established in his life? Or would you say that you guys were both sort of in that same, like, let's try to figure this out? (laughs) Oh, definitely in the let's together try to figure all of this out. Because although he'd been here for a hot second in 2017, the particular program that he's a part of took him elsewhere in the world. So when I moved here, it's also when he re-moved here. Um, So... Yeah, it was both of us just trying to figure things out with the difference being that the logistical things of how to go to the foreign office and what kind of um, paperwork you need, Ben already did that whole circuit. So he was definitely the person to have around in order to figure that stuff out and on a timely basis. So that was good. But aside from that, you know, in terms of our schedules and just trying to work things out and becoming acclimated, both of us not knowing the language, we've been doing it together kind of in lockstep. And you moved here to whatever extent, like the large part was for the relationship. So there's this part, but you you had a career in Mm -hmm. Ohio. Um, So what was your plan in terms of your professional life? Yeah, so actually I was really starting to feel established in my work in um, Ohio and I was enjoying quite a bit of success. I just had some really good relationships with my colleagues there. I miss them dearly. Um, So it was a difficult decision to move, but I had started to feel a little bit like I was coasting. And also like I was really good at teaching one particular age group, but I wanted to expand 
my repertoire, if you will, and I want it to become more versatile. So I, I thought of a lot of different ways that I could do that. And I the, the typical way would be to move to another district, maybe to another age group, see if I would take on something administrative, which I had been offered the opportunity to do. But all of those things I was kind of lukewarm about. Um, nothing really piqued my interest. And then when I considered moving here, I was immediately excited because prior to my actually starting to teach, when I studied different education systems, Germany was a big, big focus because there are so many theorists and psychologists who are from here. Um, and then also our proximity here in Germany to other countries such as Finland, where you know they're at the cutting edge of education innovation. That prospect really, really excited me. So I, I thought to myself, okay, this could be a way to propel myself into whatever is next in my career. I'm not quite sure even at this point what that is. But the goal of it was to kind of move far away and learn something new and different. And how did you make that work? What did you end up doing here? So I was really fortunate because actually I was I went through the timeline a little bit and I found uh, that it was within the first week of having moved here that I stumbled upon um, the institute where I now teach. And uh, it, they just incidentally needed an elementary school teacher for their English teaching program. And so I was was only too happy to give them my CV and, you know, they, they jumped right on it. And I was very fortunate because, um, you know, their need and my need kind of just coincided all at once. And I was able to begin working there kind of right away. Yeah. So it was incredible because I'm, I'm going to, you know, fast forward us a little bit here by saying that I started off teaching very little kids that was very much in my wheelhouse and then I was given the opportunity to teach more and more and more so as the months went on it kind of started to materialize into that exact goal that I was mentioning of building that repertoire you know and and being able to say I not only know how to teach other age groups but also what the roadblocks are and what what you have to troubleshoot and those kinds of opportunities started to present themselves steadily for me so it was really cool. But before we get too much into the everything's so great now yeah. part, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we'll take a step back. Because I remember when we first met, you were months into living here and working for the institute and you still hadn't got paid. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Because of paperwork? Is yeah. that right? Nope. You remember that right. Absolutely. Um, and now when I think back on it, of course, um, it's like, oh, that was just four months. But that's not uh. what that feels like <laughs> when you're going through it. No, no, no. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. So when I started working for them, um, I knew that I wasn't going to get paid for some amount of time because my paperwork was still pending, like you said. Um, and what that means is just that um, there are certain things that the foreign office required of me that I did not have in hand. And so um, with you know, airmail taking time with then, you know, these offices being open at odd hours, weeks and months go by, um, and then they need some other thing that you didn't know before. So when all of that was happening, I was working with the Institute, but I was not getting paid. So that was a struggle because, as you may know, being a public school teacher in the U.S. isn't exactly the most lucrative career path. So I had to dip into my savings quite a bit, and I didn't really know when the end of dipping into those would be, but I knew how much there was. So I was, I think, understandably quite stressed out about that. 
and there was no guarantee on what the end date for that waiting was going to be. So during that time, my headspace was a little bit um, negative and it kind of poured into a lot of things. And you can prepare yourself mentally before you make the move for exactly this kind of thing. But when it happens and your ability to do the things that you imagined you were going to be able to do here, like travel or just have cultural experiences, but you know that you just can't because you're limited in your scope of activities because of financial reasons, that can take its toll. So that's what was going on. <laughs> yeah. And, and to paint that picture a little more, like you, first off, I mean, you believe that this process will at some point all come together, right? Mm -hmm. That your visa will come through, that the payments will then get paid to you, and mm -hmm. that you'll be able to move on. Mm -hmm. And that is what ended up happening. But mm -hmm. in that moment, that's not how it feels. It feels mm -hmm. like I'm hoping to God that this will work through, but but I don't know. Maybe it won't. What if it falls apart? What if I somehow never get this money? What if this is all some, like, either an intentional scam or an accidental mistake that everyone's going to shrug their shoulders and I'm the one who's sitting there broke four months into work? And then you're thinking, like, okay, so I'm here now, though, So and, and maybe these processes are are lasting longer or adding stress because I'm not speaking the language. So maybe I should work on that and maybe that'll get easier. But how are you supposed to learn the language without money for courses? You said it. And how are you supposed to, like you said, you can't travel, you can't have cultural experiences, you can't, you don't feel like you can start your life. You feel like you can just cling on by your fingertips and hope to God that it'll all work out. And, and I remember so clearly, you know, in moments for me when I was in similar places where you're like, well, I can't read the fine print. I can't read the big print. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> That's right. Like, clue me in. Yeah. Um, no, exactly. And I think part of it was knowing that um, after, as U.S. citizens, um, we have a 90-day period um, on that tourist visa. And after that point, when you get an extension, it limits where you can go in the world if you would like to wait to get your residence and work permit, right? So what that meant for me was even if I wanted to go away for the holidays to visit my family, I was unable to because um, the extension that I had didn't really allow me to leave and then come back. So when I was homesick and going through this process, of course, of not knowing the language, um, feeling like... I was kind of on my own. Of course, Ben was here, but that's also something that ends up happening, right? If you rely a lot on just one other person, um, I think we all know that, that that can be a recipe for disaster as yeah. well. Yeah. So, you know, that, that it, it all takes its toll. So w during that time, it was, uh, it was definitely this fear that maybe I will never get this paperwork and I will have basically volunteered my time and I won't even get that back pay because I'll just have to leave. So that catastrophe was definitely basically the reality that I was starting to commit myself to. So when you had said earlier that the hope is that everything will work out, I have to say that I kind of did lose that hope along the way a little bit. It's it's a bit difficult to access when things kind of work out and you're a few months removed from it. But when I think back on it, I, w I was, I did despair quite a bit because my thought was, okay, so I'm out this money, my savings have been depleted, and of course, what will it mean for my relationship if I need to leave? Uh, there's this probably not grounded in reality, but it's a human fear that I will be a failure if this doesn't work out, you know, big stamp on your forehead. So those were all very raw emotions that were present during that time so when you know whenever there would be some tiny breakthrough I'd always tell myself 
not to get my hopes up because the only thing that's going to make me feel secure is when I finally have that paperwork that I'm waiting on. I didn't even allow myself (laughs) to feel excited until all of it went through. I did the same thing with my job hunt. And I also was just giving into full despair. And like you said, I also lost my hope. And I remember so clearly my boyfriend saying, you're being paranoid. Like it's going to work out. You're, you're not that far into the process. You haven't received 30 million no's. You know, like this is at the beginning, like this is, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. I know you, I know this place. Like I know what you're capable of. Like it's going to be okay. And I couldn't even hear that without being like, how dare you? <laughs> How dare you not really see my situation clearly? You're you're like right of all people. One. You're like in it too. Like you're in yeah. it with me. Why do you not see how dire it is? Right. Exactly. Because for me, yeah, the hope was totally gone. And and I also once it started to be clear that it was going to be okay. I I also had that thing that you just said of like I'm waiting until the paperwork's in my hand, the money's in my bank account to be like, oh, it's okay. You mm-hmm. wait till that's it can't possibly go wrong. And for me, that was um, having a job contract. But because of my paperwork, it lasted five months between when I got offered a job and when I had the contract in hand. That's right. And then after that, it was like a one, two week turnaround before I started. But those five months, I was like, I think that my panic is over because I think it all worked out. But I have so deeply in my gut this feeling that I can't trust that, that it could go wrong. And I think that's the thing when you're when you're living this life where you're abroad, you don't really know how things work and you, but you know how much you're risking, you know, as much as I, I, I could have familiarity with psychology that says, you know, this is what paranoid thoughts are. This is what depression is, all this kind of stuff. You can't recognize, I, I couldn't recognize it at least because I was like, I understand that that's true. However, I think my situation is different. I don't think I'm being paranoid. I'm pretty sure that it could all fall apart. Like that seems like not a paranoid thought, but a really logical one. And I'm kind of upset that other people aren't or pretending that that logic isn't there because essentially it wasn't there. It's just this like hope and belief that it will work out because historically, sometimes with systems and bureaucracies like that, the logic isn't there, it, mm-hmm. but it does work out. And, you know, you go through that enough times, you're like, oh, it is okay. It doesn't seem like it's okay, but it is. And no matter how many people told me that, I was like, but it does not logically check out that I should feel okay. And so I will not feel okay. And I'm mad that no one else is seeing this. You know what I mean? Right. And to add a little bit to that, um, an anecdote is you know, to your point about how the way that systems work, something can go wrong and it can accelerate that panic. So when I thought I was in the clear and I just had to wait a couple more weeks to finally get the paperwork, I received an email from the foreign office saying, well, we've now done the math. We have all your documents and it looks to us like you cannot support yourself um, based on the income that you are projected to have. So if you are unable to demonstrate that you can make more money than this, then we plan on rejecting your application by such and such date, which was close ah! when I first received that email. And, you know, so all of it was, first of all, all of my panic was reinforced by that. It was like, see, I just knew it. I just knew it. Yes. Um, and <laughs> I told you all. <laughs> I told you all. But then what it did is my mode of operation is not necessarily to be the most efficient person but in that moment because it was do or die I just went to the requisite parties to be like here's the deal and at the institute where I work I let them know that here's my situation but if this doesn't go through I'm also no longer going to be a teacher for you and you need me (laughs) so let's find a way to work this out and they did that's that's something that really in a way, like now that I look back on it, expedited the whole process of me getting to teach more and more, um, not just 
classes, but age groups and things like that. But that was the, the push that it was like, this is do or die. Like uh, either I get this or I'm out. Yeah, it was it was very real. And it felt a lot like, fortunately, the people around me, including you, did validate this feeling. You know, I think that was one of the biggest, biggest um, reasons for me to kind of want to stay is, you know, if people were telling me that everything is just going to work out and if they didn't see the actual if they didn't see any merit to my being worried I think that would just absolutely push me over the edge but there's you and then there's of course other friends that we mutually have here who were going through some variation of this Um, of course different contexts but some form of being an expat and then the family that I live with they were extremely supportive you know whatever that whatever they could do in the way of providing documentation or translation services or even just say, oh, wow, this looks bad, not holding back. You know, that was really good for me because sometimes you need people to just commiserate with. So that was a period of time in which the turnaround was really quick. So fortunately, despite the panic, the solutions were laid out quite quickly after that. But to your point, those are all legitimate reasons to worry about your future and especially I think I know this about you too but there aren't a lot of people in our families who have had this kind of just up and go and try to figure it out somewhere where you don't know the language and there's no real precedence for this or a blueprint right and so when you do it it's this worry that everybody who told you that this was going to be hard and everybody who was kind of skeptical or worried you are proving them right you know, and you really, really wanted to show not just yourself, but those people who care about you, that this is something that you've got and you can work it out, you know. So that's something that just compounds the issue a little bit. And it's it's all coming to a head all at once when you think things are going to fall through. So, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot going on emotionally and mentally during that period. And then let's talk about how that aspect reflects in the other areas of life. So you also are new in this country. Were you, were you able to make friends and, and find people? I mean, obviously, we found each mm-hmm. other and we've we've alluded to these other friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but how did that happen for you? I have to say that was hugely um, fortunate for me to already have a built-in group of friends um, through the program that I was referencing Ben is in. There was a group of students who I had already met in the year 2017, and I kind of hit it off with a number of them and when I found out or rather decided that I was going to move here I reached out to a a few of them and I was like I'm so excited to catch up with you and all these other things so when I got here when we got here we were here for a solid month month and a half before everybody else was here so we were actually able to help some people out when they got here and just like when they were able to hang out right away we just like seized the opportunity and for the first couple of months, that was my saving grace, like just always having a plan to do something, you know, be together. And it's actually wonderful because despite my being homesick and feeling so far away from everybody that I know, my birthday was during this whole epic turmoil kind of season in my life. And I had the best birthday that I've had in like a decade here with those friends, you know. So it was it was really great to have not just friends who are down for a good time but they just they were what I needed so if I needed a distraction and for us to be goofy and dorky together they would be that And if I needed people to commiserate with and kind of cocoon me they were that you know so it was it, it was hugely impactful I don't think that without them I would have 
honestly lasted as long as I did, I might have wanted to bounce. Yeah. Um, you included. It, 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 I think that's such a huge piece of all of this is sometimes it's the sheer amount of time that you have on your hands to fret about something. Because like we were saying earlier, if you're unable to travel or do other things because you feel like your resources are so limited, financial and otherwise, you need people right here. And that's what I had. So it was it was just a really, really lucky thing. And is it okay if we talk about the impact on relationships? Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it is such a salient part of all of this. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge part too. Like you said, uh, I mean, well, both of us are in similar boats where it's not the only reason we moved here, but a large part of living in Freiburg is because that's where our partners were. Mm-hmm. And that adds a certain amount of pressure. Like mm-hmm. you said earlier, that was your go-to person, but it can't be your only go-to person or that's super unhealthy. But sometimes it is because that's the person that's there and that you can you know you can rely on however yeah solely relying on that one person when when I, I know for me at least it was so easy to like even if I didn't believe this and I knew I didn't believe this in my weakest moments I could be like well I'm only here because of you <laughs> you know yeah. what an ugly awful false thing to say right but it would come out just because I was flailing you know right. and who else could you say that to here because you know anybody who who's who you're that familiar with who you'd feel unconditionally like you could just say that to wasn't here that those people weren't here so your your partner ends up being the person who feels a lot of that kind of wrath Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you're if you're trying to show put your best foot forward and your best self to everyone that you're meeting because of course you're trying to establish something here then that leaves very little room or margin for error and you kind of have to reserve all of your ugly emotions for the one person who you can guilt into <laughs> being like, like you said, like, I'm here because of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what, what did that look like for you guys? How did that, how did that impact you? Well, the first thing that I recall about the move was that we talked a lot about what it's going to mean to constantly be in each other's space and kind of needy uh, when we move here, because we had previous to moving, we we talked about how that's a quality that we would not like to have in our dynamic, in our relationship. And I know most partners don't, but we wanted to be explicit, right? We wanted to we wanted to just lay that out so that it doesn't surprise us at a later moment. So when time came for us to both be kind of really super reliant on each other, and it, in a way for me more so because he had, when we first got here, he had a lot to do uh, on the school front, on the university front. So that left me with a lot of odd hours to just be in my own head and kind of down and things like that. So I did need him a lot more at that time. And it was kind of like, I knew that I was doing the thing that we had talked about not ever wanting to do. And so it was like watching a train wreck and I couldn't stop because it was just, my bandwidth was really shot. And so it did, it definitely took a toll on our relationship in the sense of kind of what I was alluding to earlier is when I was trying to make new friends and just not come off as somebody who is always down in the dumps, which I didn't always succeed at. (laughs) I wanted to temper that with being like this lighthearted, fun, you know, easygoing, extroverted person when that's not, that was not a fair reflection of what I was feeling on the inside. So of course it had to spill over into something or or in front of someone and that someone happened to be him. So yeah, I mean, it was a really tough string of months and I, I would say that even after I got my paperwork in order, it, it still took us a solid two months to take it from there because, you know, 
once you're kind of in the clear, you don't just all of a sudden wake up one day and say, oh, hey, now everything's fine. You are still kind of reeling from all of the things that it's taken for you to get to this point. So we did. We had to have a lot of really, really difficult conversations, conversations that would entail us entertaining the idea of us having to no longer be together based just purely on logistics. And we had we had a tough few months there. And I'd say the thing that helped the most was just reaching out to other people and having other people to reach out to was key. And when you say that you were doing the thing that you had said you didn't want to do, are you referring to this idea of like being not having separate spaces? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like we had said we wanted our lives to kind of look like we hang out with a whole bunch of people and not just each other. And then when we touch base at the end of the day, that it's we can kind of come together with a lot of stories about our days and it doesn't have to entail one another all the time, right? Because that's not healthy. We're going to be living in the same space, but all of our stories don't have to be intertwined, you know? So that was something that was a value for us because I guess we do know a lot of people who have modeled that kind of healthy balance for us and we're trying to emulate that a little bit. And then you know, from either generations past, we know what the opposite of that looks like too a little bit. So we kind of identified what we wanted. So when I say that I was doing the thing that I didn't want to do, it was that I was just really falling back on on him. And I think, you know, if he were here, he would definitely say that he was doing it too, where it would be easier to just reach out to somebody else and be like, hey, do you want to go grab some food and just talk things out? You didn't I I can speak for myself. I didn't want to do that because I wanted to just be my own exhausted self and not be performative. And he's really the only person that I could do that in front of at the time. So I just always reached out to him being like, okay, it's time to eat. Let's just eat in silence together. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I get that too, because when we moved here, Gordon, even though he's, he's from Germany, hadn't lived in Freiburg. Mm -hmm. So he, he also didn't know anyone here and he was working from home at that point in time. So it was actually in some ways harder for him to find a community. And I had some community at the beginning, but not a lot. You know, I had enough to get me by um, in sort of these survival mode moments. But like you're saying, no one that I would be like, we're going to go sit down somewhere and I'm going to tell you all of the ugliest feelings that I'm having and you're going to respond in a way that's helpful to me and I know that I can trust you with this conversation. Like we weren't there. And there are some people who I was friends with back then that I am at that point with now today, but that's not true right off the bat. I mean, this is a whole other topic, but I've heard a lot of people say like expat friends are so magical because you bond so quickly. And I guess that is true in some instances, like like us, we mm-hmm. were saying, but for me, that hadn't happened right away. And that didn't happen with everyone. Some mm-hmm. of them we, we built. And um, so anyway, that's a long way to say we had the same tendencies where it's like, we don't really want to be the only person in each other's lives. Like we're very independent people, but right now we're seven days a week hanging out. And it's fun at first, I think, especially when you're long distance going to living together. You guys were too. Absolutely. So that's nice. But but you're exactly right. And, you know, I also moved in August. So there's this weird seasonal thing that's happening, Mm. too, where like for both of us, like the fall was sort of settling in, hoping that things were going to work out. And I think there's still that element of hope there. And then Mm -hmm. the winter hits and like the hope's gone. Right. Like this is all crap. (laughs) And once the Vinox marks end, it's just like, what else do I have to look forward to? Let me just cry myself to sleep now. The glue vine's gone. Yeah. So I'm just faced with my feelings. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But I guess maybe this is a good way to talk about what's happening now in the spring. Yeah. Because 
you're in a totally different place than you were six months ago. Yeah, totally different. And I have to say that along the way, kind of to your point as well about how it takes time, you have to build. Um, I know if I can if I can say one of the things that we had bonded over is how much we'd like to just take a day out of the week, preferably on the weekend, and go see a place on our radio kata, on our card that um, our ticket that allows us to travel within the Black Forest region. And when we did that a little bit, I think it really helped to kind of feel the full force of how big a place it is that we're living in and how much exploration there is to do. And so, you know, slowly, slowly with with trips that I took like that and, and with friends that I was seeing that I wasn't, it wasn't an isolated experience that I was having. I started to build a little bit of a sense and some perspective on the fact that part of this is just a waiting game, you know, and that is really hard to internalize. I know that you can probably speak to this too, is you can know it intuitively, you can know it intellectually, but to really internalize it is something else. But as the exactly like you're saying when when it started to get a little bit warmer which it did and then it didn't and then it did (laughs) but it really just the sunshine when things started to kind of brighten up a little bit it had an impact on my mood for sure and my overall like outlook but that also had everything to do with the opportunities that were coming my way as well so it was grounded in a lot of reality as well (laughs) and so like I had mentioned I when I told the institute where I work that I needed more hours or I needed to be paid more (laughs) the only way around that was for me to teach more and so with the help of some really great friends and colleagues that I've made um, they put in a good word for me and I was able to you know start teaching adult courses one and then two and then now I'm basically teaching one every day of the week and that was such an amazing thing to happen all at once that it it did the simple thing of getting me to be super busy, which counts for a lot. You know, it leaves a, a lot less time for me to fret or just to kind of be in my own head about things, which I absolutely have a tendency to do. But yeah, I mean, it also helps with the whole relationship thing, like we were saying, because when you're tied up in so many different things, you accumulate so many cool stories, first of all, right? You know, with the work that I do, teaching adults especially now, I am giving them instruction in English, sure. But what they're giving me is a whole range of incredible experiences, life experiences, daily, weekly experiences. And so the conversation classes that we have are such a joy because I'm getting to know all of these personalities. And so that makes for a really like, you know, for lack of another word, robust week. And so like as the weeks have gone on, I am kind of writing that, high a little bit right now um because I just feel like this dynamism is what I was missing you know um in my life is I wanted I wanted there to be a lot of um a lot of newness to my days and my weeks and that's kind of my hope for my life you know I I don't know that I necessarily have like a five-year and a 10-year plan but what I do know is that I, I don't want to coast and I don't want to feel like I am someplace against my will whether that's an emotional place or a physical space you know so that's something that's really been changing for me since the beginning of this year is um, just having the opportunity to connect with a lot more people in some really cool ways another cool aspect that I'm aware of is that you're also 
making friends outside of this student circle Mm -hmm. that you had before and that's not to in any way bash those friendships that are totally ongoing and wonderful and and yours not just you plus Ben's but your own but also separate people that that are coming into your life that you're meeting that you then get to bring into to Ben's life and beyond and and that's just such a nice feeling too like I had that same experience where you start to Hey, hey, I have my own friends. Yeah. Hey, cool. Look at me go. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And it, and it is, it, depending on who you are, that can be such a huge part of your identity, right? For sure. And I think also that totally helps solve this problem that we both were mentioning about only having that relationship to, to fall back on. You have a wider circle. You have your own things going on. And that pressure suddenly lifted. And you're like, oh, hey, we really love each other. And we just went through hell together. Right. And we still love each other. Right. Cool. Verbatim. That's, cool. that's exactly it. And it's so, oh God, it's so wonderful and magical and such a relief. It is. And I have to say that, you know, another way to kind of bookmark these experiences is that during the holiday months, Ben was able to go away to see his family um, and I was here. And I was very, very fortunate because the student friends that you were mentioning they went above and beyond to keep me company, make sure that I never felt alone, always checking in on me. Like it was just, it was a lot. It was wonderful. And then, but where I was emotionally, I just, I felt like I really missed him a lot. And I was just kind of wanting this person that I could just be myself with. And then this past week, just to kind of reflect on how much growth there's been, Ben was he had to go away again to the U.S., unfortunately, for bereavement in the family. And um, as much as I miss him, of course, I can see the contrast. You know, I have friends who on a regular basis are like checking in on me and not just because I won't be OK, but because they genuinely just like want to hang out and want to do things. And I'm so down for that. Whereas it took so much more energy for me to say yes to things a few short months ago because I was so emotionally exhausted I find now that I am just just ready to go, you know, and that's that's been a huge thing also for Ben to know is when he's away, I'm good, you know, and we definitely have the kind of relationship that I'm very grateful for where he's not wanting us to be codependent. You know, it's it's so easy to feel flattered when somebody really just always needs you because it gives you a sense of purpose, you know. But I'm very fortunate that my partner is somebody, and it sounds like absolutely yours is too, who takes pride in and wants to see their partner succeed in their relationships with other people and knows that that doesn't diminish or take away at all from that relationship that you have with them, but if anything, grows it exponentially, you know? So that's something that I'm learning more and more. I used to get very sensitive about the fact that sometimes – Ben would try to orchestrate my meeting certain people so that I wouldn't be in such a funk. And I, you know, it's, that's such a nice thing to do, but I would get really up in arms about it because I'm like, I can make my own friends and I can make my own plans. You don't need to do this for me. But also on the other hand, like, I am going to go meet that person because I do need friends. Because I do need friends. Exactly. (laughs) And then I would is the thing. Exactly. Like after giving him hell, I would be like, but I'm going to go because I really like this person. Um, (laughs) But I'm not doing it because of you. Um, But yeah, I mean, exactly. Like how how lucky, right? How how fortunate that that person is saying that they could just as easily say, yes, yes, I'm going to be the only person that you need. And if not me, then no one and all that other kind of jazz. But not at all, you know, so... 
I'm, I'm really grateful that that's the kind of thing that we have going on. We're about to get to the ending segment, but before we dive into that, I just want to say thanks for, for coming on and talking so honestly about all this, because I, I hear from people all the time that are in these same moments. And first off, it's so painful when you're in those moments. And second off, like you said, it was only months ago for you, only a year ago for me. It's harder to access it already. As soon as things get better, you're like, oh, it was just a tough time. It was just a little like, I didn't know if I'd get paid for four months. That's nothing. <laughs> you know, you minimize it somehow. Yeah. And um, that's, I'm, I'm so grateful that you were able to come on and talk to us about it because it is not too far back. And it's so important for people to, to hear, you know, even if you're the person sitting there thinking, no, I'm in that part where they're not getting it, that it's not going to work out for me. Like, Somewhere now at least, we get it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I have to say too, thank you so much for having me because I really, I really relied on this podcast, to be honest, during those um, four months. Uh, it felt like longer, but absolutely. And I have to be honest, like I sometimes would hear people's success story exactly like you're saying, and I'd be like, that was them and it won't be me. And I'd still despair, you know, because it's just, such, it has such a hold on you. But I, I think it's a coping mechanism. It's a psychological function that we now, in hindsight, minimize what we were going through because it's it's so painful and we try not to relive it. But yeah, I would say to anybody who's listening to this too, is it's something that reaps benefit too. Like after the fact, I'm really grateful that that kind of time also happened because I know that I'm made of far tougher stuff than I originally thought. The biggest thing that I have to say I've learned through all of this is I've wanted to say no to meeting people and just putting myself out there because I've been worried that I'm just going to be a downer. And so much of the time I have said yes and I've never regretted it because it's what I needed, including us, our connection. You know, there have been times when I'm like, I really like this person and I don't want them to think that I'm always just like down in the dumps and that's how I'm feeling right now. And you always made me feel like, you know, you didn't you didn't sugarcoat it. You were like, yes, this is difficult, but here's something else that we can do. You weren't always like enabling me either, <laughs> but you were offering so many awesome solutions, you know, including like, here's this podcast that I make, not at all tooting your own horn, but just being like, this is meant for this exact purpose. So if you have any interest, super modest and everything, and then I found it and I was like, wait a minute, this is the exact thing that I needed. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, between that and board game nights and things of that nature, it's just been, it's been huge. We need to pause the podcast and go hug it out. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but before we just melt into a pile of just goop, goop and, mm. and mutual admiration, let's let's do the ending segment. So this is called Zack Zack Zack. I'm gonna ask you three questions. You're gonna answer them without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Great. What is your current favorite German word? Ooh. Uh, Schwung. It means momentum, like on a bike. (laughs) Schwung. I like it. (laughs) If you could get a free year supply of one food or drink item from back home, what would you choose? Oh, uh, ooh. Um, everything at Trader Joe's. (laughs) That's a lot. And what is your favorite board game? Oh my, um, this doesn't count as a board game. It's a card game, Ligretto though. Um, oh my God, it's so good. You taught me it the other week. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Yes, okay. it's so addictive. If you haven't played it, um, it's far too complicated or maybe I'm not articulate enough to explain what it is, but it's a really fast paced card game. Go check it out, you guys. Ligretto. Mm-hmm. Thank you again for coming on, Summer. Thanks for having me. This was great. Let's go hug. Let's do it. <laughs> 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, Summer, for coming on the show and being so honest with us. And again, congrats. Congrats on sticking it out. Congrats on things getting better. Please enjoy it. You have earned it. Thank you to all you listeners for tuning in this week's episode. Please do let me know what you thought about it on social media at The Expat Cast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, what have you. And you can also always shoot us an email at theexpatcast at gmail.com. Whether you're interested in being a guest, whether it's to suggest an episode theme, or whether it's just to say hey and share your story, the inbox is open for you. Thank you as always to Gordon Eisenach, my partner in life and in podcasting, and to Amy Lungi Art for the logo. Thanks to Sidehug for the theme music. You can find them on Instagram too, at a hug from the side. Please leave a rating and a review for us on your podcast app of choice and share this with a friend, especially if you think there's one out there who might need it. Next week, we'll be back in your feeds with an episode where we check in with one of our guests from season one. Back then, she was a pregnant expat and now she's an expat mama. Until then, have a wonderful week.